Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up? Welcome to another College Football Live. I'm your host, Peter Burns. If you watch this show, if you love college football, not only do you love to play on the field, but you love the storylines, right? Especially the rivalry. So why not bring a couple of rivals to co-host with me? National Championship quarterback for the Alabama Crimson Tide and now new Saturday night primetime game. Analyst with Sean McDonough and Molly McGrath. Look at Greg McElroy. Go, GMAC. You had, a, you had an arm on you, buddy. Yeah, a little bit. A couple, a couple of fluttery passes in there, but it's all right. How about this, though? Bama's rival, of course, Auburn. So we welcome in former first-round draft pick and two-time Pro Bowl and Auburn legend, Takeo Spikes. Takeo, man, I, I love that. The neck roll and everything. Looking swole, man. Yeah, that's the old school, PB. That's the old school with the Cowboy Collar. <laughs> well, there's also a big rivalry right now in the box office between Oppenheimer and Barbie. And based on Peter's attire today, He's clearly chosen Barbie based on the pullover. Takeo, you buy it? I'm buying all of it. And I saw it full-fledged right there in the face. What's up, PB? You tell the people about <laughs> hey, listen, the Barbie I, movie. I, th I just <laughs> thought he was going to bring in the full-blown rivalry of golf the last time he beat me. He shot 74 whistling straights. But, listen, I'm not bitter <laughs> about it, bringing it up five years more. All right, we didn't hear about golf or, or movies. We're here to talk football. Let's talk about the Iron Bowl. Let's start there, right? That game is going to be played. Listen. Coming up uh, in the always late November, and you look at this, they've been playing since 1893. Bama has won five of the last six. But what I love about these games is the pettiness. They stopped playing in 1906 because they couldn't decide who was going to referee the game and per diem as well, too. They got back together in 1941. They decide, hey, let's play. So since then, we're talking 49, 37, and 1 that Alabama has held that all-time lead. Nick Saban, 11 and 5 in that Iron Bowl. But, of course, now he's going to be facing Hugh Freeze, who got the best out of Saban twice while he was over at Ole Miss 2014-2015. Greg, this is a huge rivalry game. Your favorite Iron Bowl memory? It had to be 2009, playing injured in hair. Something about being on the road in the Iron Bowl just makes it a little bit better. Not that we don't love our home field, but just the intensity of going into their house and dominating is really big. We didn't dominate that game. We only dominated like the last minute. We were able to score through a touchdown to Roy Upchurch to give us the win, but it was highly intense and highly, highly problematic trying to leave that stadium that night. <laughs> Key? My, my best memory goes back to 97, and it was a home game for us, G-Mac, and the beautiful thing about it was we pretty much, we were in control for most of the game, but listen, they all they had to do was to run the football and run out the clock. I remember getting in the huddle telling the guys, we got to strip it when they run it. When we broke the huddle, we saw that they ran a screen. We were surprised. Martavius Houston knocked the ball out, made Ed Sisson fumble. Damian Craig got us in field goal position, and the rest was history. Jared Holmes kicked the field goal. We went off to the SEC championship game 
SEC West champions. I love it. I just guys, rem uh, those memories that you have of it. And I love standard def hi uh, highlights. Those are always best. All right, Caesars <laughs> right now has had an early line on this game. Bama minus 13. GMAC, that seems awfully low. Or is that about right? That's, that's probably about right right now. So many unknowns on both sides. I mean, Alabama got to figure out their quarterback situation. Offensive line feeling like they're coming together. You know the strength of the team might be the run game. The weapons on the perimeter, very exciting. But how can you lay right now two touchdowns, not knowing who the starting quarterback for the Crimson Tide is going to be? Got to feel like they're going to be good, complimentary. And I think that Auburn has improved drastically, and the game's going to be played in Auburn as well, so a difficult spot to go. So right now, that's probably about right, but Alabama's still the, the better team. If they can figure out quarterback, they'll be in great shape. Alabama definitely is the better team. And when you look at this big picture, since Coach Saban has been in the SEC, especially at Alabama, only five coaches have beaten him multiple times. And so what I'm going to hang my hat on is the era of Hugh Freeze coming back into Auburn and bringing belief, bringing in the quality players. He went into the side of the transfer portal, went and picked up Peyton Thorne, the quarterback. He went and upgraded the offensive line, which needed tremendous help. Also went and got the guys a bunch of wide receivers in the portal as well. And so the common denominator when I look at everything from a team that struggled very a lot last year they needed belief, they needed confidence, and they needed to know we have somebody who's going to lead the ship, and Hugh Freeze is the guy. So that's the belief that I truly believe that he's going to bring into this Auburn football team this year. Yeah, guys, the only worries I have is going to be late into the season. Alabama clearly has the death. Auburn had to add 40 new players on that team. That's always a concern late into the season. All right, that same weekend – we head up north for, of course, the game. Arguably one of the best rivalries in football on 11-25, Ohio State versus Michigan. And remember, Wolverines have won the last two after Ohio State ripped off eight in a row. And the winner of that matchup has made the Big Ten title game every year since 2017. In fact, how one-sided had it been before Jim Harbaugh got those dubs? Well, Buckeyes had won 17 of the last 19. And Big different turnover differential. Last two years, minus six for the Buckeyes. So, Takia, when you look at this matchup, Wolverines and Buckeyes, is there a way that you lean preseason? Yeah, and you got to go with the momentum. And the momentum clearly lies with Michigan. They won the last two matchups. But more importantly, when you look at the big scheme, they bring back J.J. McCarthy, their quarterback. That's a huge plus for any team that's going to be competitive trying to win a national championship. Also, arguably one of the better offensive lines in the nation with the returning running backs, Blake Corm and also Donovan Edwards. For me, that gives them the insight. That gives them the edge as far as taking the momentum in this game. And they played this game this year in Michigan. Yeah, it's a control the line of scrimmage type of matchup. And I believe in Michigan being able to do that, even though there is some attrition along the offensive line. They went and hit it hard in the portal, adding three guys with starting experience from the power five level, two of which considered all Big Ten potential candidates here in the preseason. You mentioned J.J. McCarthy. He's only going to get better. Remember last year he was splitting reps with Cade McNamara. Now he's the starter throughout spring, throughout summer and fall camp. He's getting every single one rep as opposed to the 50% he got a year ago. The dynamic tandem that is the running back is unbelievable. You mentioned Edwards, Corum, they're ridiculous. And then defensively, where Ohio State has question marks along the offensive line, very confident in Michigan's defensive front. They have Twitch, 
they have balance, and they have girth in the middle to be able to create some problems for that Ohio State offensive line. So, and it's in the big house. So I'm leading Michigan at them right now. But if Ohio State can figure out their quarterback situation and find some really, really capable pieces at each tackle spot, I might feel differently in November. I'm just filling out my bingo card here. I did not have Twitch nor Girth uh, part of college football uh, live today, but yet here we are. All right, so we're going to see the Iron Bowl, of course. We'll see the game for many years. The bigger question kind of going forward is what other rivalry games might not we see? And this has been one of the best, right? Bedlam, uh, one of the top rivalries in college football. A lot of history. They've met every single year since 1910. Remember, Brent Venables, big win in his first year of the rivalry game. Last year in Norman got him a good a lot of goodwill, even though the Sooners struggled a little bit. So Oklahoma has historically dominated the rivalry going 90, 20 and seven. They've won 17 of the last 20 and almost by average of two touchdowns. However, Oklahoma moving to the SEC that 23 matchup on November the 4th could be the last one that we see for a while. So GMAC, the, the significance of getting that last one when you don't know what the future is going to bring. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, it's significant. Obviously, we know the vitriol, though, is more on the side of Oklahoma State at the moment. They view Oklahoma as abandoning them. There's bad blood. Mike Gundy's been outspoken about realignment and how much he is against it. Now, they're in the midst of a quarterback battle. It's looking like Bowman will be the guy. They have some quality weapons, but there's been a decent amount of turnover within the Oklahoma State program. Then you look at the other side with Oklahoma. Brent Venable's done a really good job going after people and pieces that they didn't have a year ago. Big, strong, capable defensive linemen. Offensive linemen that might be able to move some people. So I think their roster has improved more drastically than Oklahoma State. So as of right now, I'm leaning in favor of the Sooners. And I think the significance of this game is, I don't know if a lot of people really realize how big just the fact that this game won't happen anymore. I took it upon myself to reach out to some guys who actually played in the game. Tommy Harris from Oklahoma, defensive lineman, and then also Marcellus Rivers, tight end. And they talked about it was important. It was important to let everybody know the importance of, hey, we can now brag and say we are the best in the state. It's a shame for the fans. The fans don't even have an opportunity to be able to get riled up. And there's something about rivalries. When you look at it overall, Rankings just don't compare to the rivalries because it just tells so much without even saying a word. And so that's what I hate about it. And when you see two all-pro guys, two all-American guys who come out of the system and now it's going to be taken away, it's, that's sad. Yeah, I remember people still talking about the last time Texas and Texas A&M played, right? And that was a long time ago. They'll talk about Bedlam for many years. We hope it's a great game. we got a lot more coming up on College Football Live, including Big 12, Big 10, SEC, adding schools next year. Could the ACC be next? Heather Dinich with the latest on their potential expansion plans. Plus, we get to the ACC, we'll head 
to Blacksburg, where Virginia Tech alum Eddie Royal joins us. What sort of improvements can Grant Wells make under center in year two for the Hokies? Well, the world of college football realignment continues to spin. The latest ACC talking expansion amongst themselves with several teams. Those programs, two Pac-12s possibly looking for a new home, Cal and Stanford, and even another school, SMU, has thrown their name into the ACC mix. So who better to ask about what's going on? Our well-caffeinated friend, uh, Heather Dinich. Uh, Heather, we're going to talk college football playoff in a little bit, but the ACC trying to figure out if they're going to expand. What's the latest? The latest is that they can't come to unanimity on this, and that shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone because it was just a week and a half ago that Florida State's president came out and said publicly, give us more money or we're going to leave. And here now they're having discussions considering two West Coast teams, which they know would not bring any financial value. And of course, it's hard to explain in terms of making geographical sense. They need 12 of 15 presidents and chancellors to agree to this in order for it to become a reality. That includes Notre Dame because they're a member of the ACC in Olympic sports. Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick confirmed to me that he has been an advocate to add Stanford and Cal because he said the fact that those two prestigious programs that play Division I sports are looking for a home is an indictment on the state of college athletics. Always interesting, too, when Notre Dame says, hey, y'all should add those teams in football for sure. I mean, we're not going to add those teams. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, Heather, Greg Sankey talked about it on Fine Bomb. We talked about it on College Football Live about possibly changing college football playoff now and the criteria when these conferences change. What's the latest on that? I've spoken to multiple sources involved in these decisions about this. And right now, the current model in, for 2024, a 12-team format, would be six highest-ranked conference champions plus the next six best teams. Well, if you don't have a Pac-12, as many people expect that league to dissolve ultimately, then they're going to go back and reconsider that. They have to. And one of the most logical, easiest solutions would be to have five plus seven, the five highest-ranked conference champions, and then the next seven highest ranked. That would give the Big Ten, the SEC, the Big 12, the ACC, and another FBS conference a guaranteed spot. But if you listen closely to Greg Sankey when he spoke, there's also a consideration for maybe the 12 best teams that would allow for Notre Dame to have one of those top four bids. I would imagine that the SEC and the Big Ten would raise that issue. But you could also expect the group of five commissioners to push back and say, wait a minute, six plus six sounds really good to us. Let's just stick with the original plan because then they would have two conference champions in. But all of that, Peter, is going to center around and be secondary to revenue distribution. If you take away a Power Five conference, all of a sudden the piece of the pie changes, and revenue is certainly going to be at the top of the list for their discussions. And remember, the only undefeated team ever are the team of lawyers that surround themselves around uh, business uh, proposals. Heather Dennis, thank you so much for the time. All right, we know that there will be a team that's going to be playing in the ACC next year. That's Virginia Tech, of course. The Hokies coming off a 3-8 season last year. Brent Pry 
Thank Entering you. year two in Blacksburg, the ACC Network's been doing their campus tours, and one of the legends, Mark Packer, caught up with Coach Fry and Frank Beamer about the season. What's the advantage of having a guy like Frank Beamer still hanging around <clears throat> Blacksburg? It's inspiring to me. You know, I've said this a thousand times, and I'll never stop saying it because I'll never stop feeling that way. You know, it's very humbling to sit at that desk and to be in his office. Coach has a way about bringing out the very best in the people that are around him. And I felt that as a graduate assistant coach here for three years. You always wanted to please him and do your best for him. And that's the way the players were. And that hasn't changed. I think about him and what I want to do here, what we need to do. It's for a lot of folks, but, you know, coach always comes to mind. I want to make this place special again where he's very, very proud. Um, that's big, big shoes to fill, and it's a tall order, but we can do it. Welcome in for the ACC Network. Uh, first team All-ACC wide receiver and a guy that helped me win a couple fantasy football leagues back in the day with the Denver Broncos, Eddie Royal. Eddie, when you hear there those conversations, and you know, you get a chance to put eyes on Grant Wells coming into second year. How big of a jump can he take for the Hokies? He can make a huge jump. One thing is crazy for you to run that segment because I'm actually sitting right beside the legendary Coach Beamer right here. We're having conversations about the old days, so it's good you guys ran that segment. But uh, to get to Grant Wells, I mean, it's just having a better understanding of the offense. Then he'll be a lot more comfortable. He'll know where the checkdowns are. Grant's a guy who wants to make the big play. I mean, he came from Marshall. He's used to throwing the ball down the field. So when he got to Virginia Tech, of course he wanted those big plays to come. But once he understands his offense a little bit more, then he'll be able to take care of the ball better and limit those bad plays. When you look at this, Eddie, obviously offensive is part of the issue, but on the flip side of it, some concerns as well, too. What's something specific that the Hokies can do next year that kind of changes their fortunes real quick? On the defensive side of the ball, again, I would say it's just understanding the defense and understanding what Coach Pry is looking for. Chris Marv will be calling plays this year. It's going to be an aggressive defense. That's one thing that Coach Pry talked about. He wants to play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. So I expect them to be blitzing a lot more. And that secondary is going to be the strength of this defense. Those guys can cover. So that's going to free up the coaches to be able to blitz and be aggressive. Yeah, going to be interesting as well, too, because score. You know, you got Beamer ball right next to you, right? If uh, if Frank Beamer's there, they made their hay on special teams. <laughs> we've seen his son do that, Shane Beamer at South Carolina. All right, we've been talking rivalries. So Eddie Royal, brighter future right now. And yes, I know you're in Blacksburg, so you can whisper it. Okay, is it Virginia or is it Virginia Tech? Are we talking basketball or football? I feel like that's all you're trying to disrespect me when I'm at home, Peter. Come on, man. Of course I, I, it's Virginia Tech. I mean, you okay. look at what Coach Pry. Hey, yeah, look at what Coach Pry is doing in the recruiting. He understands that keeping the best players in the state of Virginia is key. And I believe that once those players, we get them on campus and they go in Lane Stadium and they hear inner Sandman, they're not going to be able to say no. I mean, that's one thing. When I came on my visit, I saw Virginia Tech beat Miami at a night game. I knew then and there that this is the place that I wanted to be. Coach Pry understands that. Lane Stadium is going to be rocking. No question it's Virginia Tech.
Can't wait to see it. Now, remember, our Hokies open up against Old Dominion. They're in Blacksburg, and that's been kind of tricky. They've lost two of the last three against the Monarchs, so we will see that. And, of course, tell uh, Coach Beamer we said hello and make him buy you lunch. Uh, that'll be kind of fun. All right, the ACC uh, football road trip continues tomorrow, 7 p.m. on ACC Network with the defending conference champion Clemson Tigers. Kelsey Riggs, EJ Manuel, and Clemson alum Eric McLean with the latest inside access from the Tigers fall camp. All right, coming up, we've been talking rivalries, so let's keep with that topic. Best trophy game in all the sport and most underrated rivalry? We'll debate it next. Here's the next UFC fight night from the Apex in Las Vegas. Much anticipated welterweight main event prelims begin Saturday at 4 Eastern, followed by the main card 7 Eastern on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN Plus. Takeo Spike Trick back with Peter Burns. All right, let's start right here. Spikes, the most underrated rivalry in college sports is what? TCU and Baylor, and this is why. I know I surprised you with this one. But look, outside of the victory in 2020, right, when TCU got the victory, four out of the last five meetings have came down to one last possession. And we all remember what happened at the end last year. Griffin Kale kicked the game-winning field goal mm. on the road to beat TCU, which propelled them to the national championship game. I'm shocked by that one. I'm not going to lie. Of all the places you were going to go, I thought it'd be somewhere in the Southeast, but no, it wasn't. I will keep it in the Southeast. It's the Egg Bowl. Ole Miss against Mississippi State. I've called four of them. I'm telling you, there is no love lost in the Magnolia State between these two programs. They hate each other. I've seen cheap shots. I've seen guys mocking the other team in the end zone. We've seen personal fouls that decided the game, partly because five, six years back, there was a player that was granted immunity to testify against the other team. It is chaotic. And the the Mississippi State fans in particular really, really hate the Ole Miss fans because they feel like they're pretentious. That's a great one that everyone needs to experience. By the way, it was Army-Navy was the right answer, but I applaud both of you guys for trying. All right, Keo, uh, <laughs> when you look at this, the best trophy in a rivalry game is what, quickly? Stanford Axe. You got to go with the Stanford Axe, man. Simply, simply due to the fact of just the history of what's going on. And then even current day right now, Stanford and Cal, they're looking to ask the Pac-12. So how fitting <laughs> is that for the moment? They're holding tight, though. Stanford and Cal are for sure. Y'all, this one is so easy. As a barbecue enthusiast, I'm going to the Battle of the Bones, UAB against Memphis. It's not just for football either. It's for basketball. Guys, it's bronze-plated spare ribs. What more could you possibly want? Give me 24-karat gold. The battle for the boot. David Basil put it together. It's 200 pounds. LSU, Arkansas. Come on, guys. Thanks for watching. <laughs>